from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Indeed. Ooh. Oh, no. Your Modelo. Wow. Oh, this is the Modelo. Oh, oh, what is this? What is that? I don't know. I found it on the floor earlier. Oh, Kolsch. I found it on the floor. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's nice. <laughs> Which brewery is that? Uh, Solemn Oath? Yeah, so this can looks very strikingly similar, <laughs> similar to our house favorite, Modelo. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> and? You know, not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Decant. Lovely. So what are we doing today? Oh, you got to do ad reads. So I'll get that here. You try some of that Kolsch. I think there's a little bit in there. Right. So I'll take some out of my glass. Is it called Lou? Yeah, I think Lucifer after. All right. Anyway. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. also want to give a big, uh, big shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patron, Andy Thompson. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash and become a patron today. And if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, and you know you are, because Christmas at this point is only a week away, you you gotta get on that. Oh no, it's only a week. Oh God. Chop, chop. I haven't done any Christmas shopping because I hate giving gifts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least you're honest about it. I also don't like receiving gifts. Uh, you know, sorry, I'm a humbug too. Me, me neither. <laughs> I, but I love Christmas. Yeah, I, just right, don't like, the, I, I like, like seeing all the people, but yeah, it's, I love Christmas. I don't like the gift bit. Yeah. But uh, for those of you that do, head over to blindnessviews.com, click on the Amazon link above our homepage. Your Amazon shopping is not only good, but a kickback from Amazon. The only gift I want this year is your support. Bah humbug. What? That was not a bah humbug moment. No, not that, but just <laughs> bah humbug. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brian, what have you been up to this past week, man? Man, I kind of... Kind of blew it. You blew it again. You blew it again. That's yeah, okay. Man. I was thinking about what I what I did too, and I I think that I did I talk about Orlando. I think I did. I think I talked about Dead Lizard and all that. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Think so I don't um, know. I went to. I was in like another part of the world where like they have different beers on tap. I was in I was in Rochester, and we were at a, oh. a this bar called Newts, and that's I, a fun name for a bar. Why Newt? I had a dude that he's picking up the Solomoth can again. That Kolsch is pretty good. I might, it's. I, I mean, I'm, I'm super. Like, I literally found it on the ground. It's spicy down here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. There's. Beer. I don't know where it came from. Uh, There's beer all over the place. If you're not watching the stream, it's like beer Solom- oh, mountains of beer. Naperville, Illinois, four point seven percent. Anyway, so I'm at Newt's in Rochester, and they had. Just, just an off the wall like weird beer list, um, but had found uh, this dish still, if that's how you pronounce it. Who I think they were kind of known. Didn't they make like sours? In, yeah, yeah. They, the, in the, cans, the, like, the dis, this distill or dish still. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, they had uh, a hazy beer that was actually pretty good. Um, oh, nice. Not bad. I, I, I can, I can jive with the hazy beers as long as they don't have. They're not loaded with lactose. I don't understand the lactose. Um, I mean, Drecker does it. If you're putting a shitload of fruit in, like yeah. like they do, then whatever. 
but um, I still can't believe Wreckers from North Dakota. I didn't realize anything good came from North Dakota. <laughs> Uh, aren't you from North Dakota? No, I'm from South Dakota. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was one of them, but anyway, yeah, no, I don't know, man. I got nothing. I just, oh, that's fine, man. That's fine. We got a lot to talk about today, anyway. Drinking a lot of Space Force as usual. Space Force. Um, I uh, like this is this is slightly beer related and something I want to talk about, Mm -hmm. and I don't really have another platform to talk about it on, so I'm going to talk about it here because you guys will understand my struggle. I hate growlers. I hate them with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. Mm-hmm. Uh, big glass bullshit that <laughs> you can't get rid of. Um, like I, I did some, I guess, winter cleaning uh, this past weekend, and I literally threw or recycled, I should say, recycled fifteen growlers. Yeah, I, I have so much shelf space now. I have recycled more growlers than you even want to know about. It's Pe- I, people still bring me growlers from the old breweries I used to work at, and I'm like, I why would I why would I? Want I so I, I ran across an American Sky growler, and I was like, <sighs> oh, Brian. My, no, he won't. Throw it and out. then I threw it out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Generally, if, if it's something... Well, because I was like, I've, I've seen one in the brewery, so I know he has access to one. Also, why would he want this bullshit? There are four different ones, and I have all four of them. Oh, then you're good. Yeah. Yeah, I like they're they're an awkward size. Mm-hmm. Like, they're made of glass, yeah. like which is stupid. Crowlers are way better. Did you did you know we don't even sell them at the brewery? Growlers? We have some on hand, I think. Like maybe a few boxes. Well, there's no point. They're they're like it they we, were, we will fill them, certainly, but they we, were great when they were a thing. And mm-hmm. I feel like they're being slowly phased out by the crawler. Well, crawlers are it's you know, if you can't I mean you can, but like who I don't a whole growler to yourself sounds a little I mean, don't don't you don't judge me. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I've don't judge drank, me, Brian. I only drink a whole growler to myself, but but no, I, I'm just I like they're they're dumb. Like it's a half gallon of beer. That's a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we sell the 32 ounce crawlers at the brewery because yeah. we're in Wisconsin and we can't. Well, it's two pints. Uh, you know, but then there are a couple it's, other breweries around town. Like Mike, like Fredrickson from Pitchfork was like, oh, people said it was too much beer. And I was like, really? The Crowler? The 32 ounce one. So then they switched to 750. But I was like, I don't know if I've ever, I've never heard that, I guess. Maybe I don't, I don't, I'm not behind the bar as much as Mike probably is. Yeah. But. I don't like, I mean, that's two pints. Like that seems like the right amount of beer. Mm-hmm. Like it's a Crowler is the perfect amount to split yeah. between two people. Or if you're having one of those nights. Yeah, seven fifties are good, but yeah, Mike yeah. Dropped, dropped off two seven fifties of their IPA, which I drank. Oh, nice. So, um, but yeah, I just like uh, I, I just I finally got rid of a bunch of growlers, and I feel really good about it. the other ones I kept for the pitchfork ones because I'm going to return those to the brewery for free beer. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was uh, that was that was Casey's rant for the week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Now we're going to get on to actual uh, information, and as you know. It is fermentation endgame. And our story opens five beers later. (laughs) I'm only on my second beer. It's part of the thing. Didn't you see endgame? Yeah, I did. I did. All right, fine. (laughs) The snap happened. The the jump or the snap? Yeah, the snap happened, and now we had to jump five beers. Some people jumped and some didn't. (laughs) 
<laughs> Some I guess you me. didn't. I guess I didn't. <laughs> or no, you you well you got you got snapped. I got snapped. I'll snap. All right. So uh, yeah, we're gonna start off with diastole rest, which I will say. You know, I'm gonna throw this out there. I think diastole rest is the uh, the Iron Man of fermentation. <laughs> There's some technology involved. You got to think about it. There's a lot of sciencey stuff. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Diacetyl, let's define it first. So if if people aren't savvy as to what that is, it yes. is like if you go to, speaking of movies, if you go to a movie theater and you put that buttery, delicious popcorn butter on your popcorn, that is diacetyl. So yeah, that slick, oily, slick, oily buttery. buttery uh, some people ways. describe it as butterscotchy almost. Mm-hmm, yep. Some people get butterscotch. Certainly. Yep. It just kind of depends on how your palate interprets. Yes. So it's an off flavor. Um, kind of yes. a major one. Is it's not acceptable. It, it, there are very, very few styles where a tiny little bit is acceptable, is acceptable but uh, um, generally not acceptable. If, if you just go through life viewing diacetyl as unacceptable, you will be a better person. Well, unless it's on movie popcorn, then that's acceptable. Well, I mean, just in your beer, I was. Yeah, that, okay, right. In the beer, if you go through, if you go through your beer life saying this is unacceptable, you'll be a better person. <laughs> yeah, hands down. Uh, all of our patrons know that. Yes, that's why they're better people. Diacetyl rest, though, just in general, uh, yeast has the ability to to reduce the diacetyl enzymatically. Now, during the growth phase, the yeast will produce uh, acetolactate. Uh, which is a, the only reason why we care about that is because it is the precursor to diacetyl. Now, Correctamundo. right now, doing a diacetyl rest on your beer can be kind of tough. So, when you are working with a yeast that is known for high high diacetyl production, um, you're going to really have to nail the timing on it. Mm-hmm. I know for sure. Uh, dry. There's one dry yeast. Uh, USO4 that I used extensively back in the day. And if you didn't nail that diacetyl rest, it'd be butter all over the place. Um, so be careful with that. Make sure you know your strain. Learn learn the specs about it. Um, so we were talking about the precursor to uh, being... Acetolactate? Yep, acetolactate was a precursor to diacetyl. Uh, so then during your stationary phase, uh, the yeast absorbs diacetyl and then converts it into acetoin. And two, three, oh boy, this is a fun one, butendiol. Uh, so both of these have a really high flavor threshold. Um, in by this, the best way to think about this is the stationary phase and the reabsorbing. It's sometimes yeast push things out of their cell to have some other cellular action inside. And then once they're done with that, they will pull something back in. And this is a, a prime example of that. Um, of them kicking it out and then pulling it back in and then doing something with it to make it go away. If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that said, yeast health and activity uh, both play a huge role in your diacetyl levels. So, like, we always say, like, the mantra through this whole thing has been, like, pitch plenty of fresh yeast and yeah. or make a starter. Yeast health and temperature are kind of your biggest things here. Yep. And because we control the temperature, we we can drive reduction and production of diacetyl. So, like, the weird thing with diacetyl is, like, the more active the yeast is, the more it's producing. But it's also going to reduce it more, too. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's there. It's it's very like this kind of yeah catch twenty two or yeah or, yeah kind of a catch twenty two thing. Um, so higher temperatures are going to increase your production and reduction. They're just going to increase that yeast activity. So the more <laughs> the healthier it is, the happier it is. Um, like it's just going to get to work and start chewing up that diacetyl. Um, and most strains will reduce diacetyl below the flavor threshold given an un- enough time and the right temperature. So we really have two ingredients that we're looking at with a, with uh, with diacetyl, time and temperature. Given that uh, up until this point we followed everything properly, our yeast is happy. We've given enough. We've given it the right minerals and nutrients and oxygen and all of that. Everything's happy. This yeast, the yeast wants to get rid of the diacetyl. It does. It wants it. Right. It likes that buttery flavor. It needs to go to the movies. <laughs> Maybe it's making popcorn. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what yeast does. We don't know what yeast do. Um, so a low growth rate can cause more diacetyl in the finished product, which makes sense because they're still pushing it out, um, but there's not enough yeast to like pull it back in. Right. Um, and a slow fermentation uh, results in more diacetyl for that reason. Um, so the key to the low diacetyl is uh, allowing the yeast time. So the big thing there is do not pull your beer early. Well, don't pull it from the yeast early period. Well, yeah, like just don't, for a multitude of reasons. Well, so so never never stop fermentation. Don't ever even, stop fermentation. But even either. even then, so like we last uh, last episode last week, we talked about. Um, how after you've had the standard or the the same specific gravity reading for three days, your fermentation is done. Maybe leave it for another couple of days. Give it a chance to pull that diacetyl in. Right? Correct. Before you start doing And then don't lower the temperature too early. So even if it's on the yeast cake and you crash down to anything lower than 40, it's done. Well, I mean, taste it anyway. Well, yeah, taste it. At that, you know, you should be tasting it taste pretty much all along i mean it's kind of tough to keep on like when you're at a homebrew level to keep on yeah because opening it up if you've got a sample port that makes it a lot easier yeah it does yeah so taste your beer um and then yeah so because diastole reduction is slower at lower temps um our cold fermented lagers need to have a diastole rest which is where this entire thing is will you uh so what is a diastole rest like what's the it's basically just cranking the like let well what you do is just let after a certain point of fermentation uh you would you know with lagers you're probably working between 50 and 55 but you just let the let shut the cooling element off and let the uh let it free rise let it free rise to like 65 to 68 for um you know, probably not that high for a lager but um, for an ale, for sure, you want to. Yeah, well, an ale, you ales doing diacetyl rest really isn't necessarily a thing that you need to do. Usually, like unless you're fermenting way on the cold side. Yeah, well, but if you're fermenting at like sixty-five, like I said with USO four, you want to yeah. keep it at sixty-four, and you want it to raise to like sixty-eight for diacetyl oh, okay. purposes. So for ale yeast, it, it's a thing too, but. Lager, it's a lot more important. Um, there's a lot of things you need to think about with lager, and one of them is a diacetyl rest, certainly, and the other one is a cold conditioning, which we'll get more into because yeah. of sulfur production. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, 65 to 68 or 18 to 20 C for two days uh, near the end of fermentation. All right. Uh, for ales, make sure you're not dropping your temperature too early uh, mm-hmm. at the end of fermentation, which we already talked about, doing so calls higher diacetyl because it'll make your yeast sleepy. And they won't reduce. 
Um, and then oxygen is also a thing that we need to worry about, like through everything. Um, especially if we have a high amount of acetolactate. Yep, which is again which the is precursor. the precursor. Um, having more oxygen in there will cause the yeast to um, change that acetolactate into diacetyl. And that is not good. We no. don't want that. We don't want that. That makes Tony Stark mad. We don't want that. <laughs> so for as far as lagering goes, your cold lager fermentations are in between 50 and 55 Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah, so uh, just I want, oh, sorry. I want to interject one thing here. Yep. Our next section is lagering. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to say that is the Black Widow. Uh, <laughs> fermentation because she's kind. It's it's kind of cold at at the beginning and then it warms up towards the end. God, I was like, what did I what did I forget? <laughs> I'm reading the same thing as you. <laughs> you forgot my terrible analogy. Yes, well, it wasn't terrible. I like that one. But. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Black Widow section lagering, uh, cold lager fermentation, and is uh, generally fifty to fifty five Fahrenheit or ten to thirteen Celsius. We've got some advantages here, of course, and disadvantages as usual. Advantages being fewer esters and fusel alcohols created. So if the beer is hot tasting, oh, yeah, that's hot, hot, uh, hot. fusels. Uh, these disadvantages are uh, there's a lot more sulfur in the solution and then less diacetyl reduction. But I, if you smell the sulfur in the – there's always going to be sulfur in the lager fermentation process. So that just means it, it needs to sit and condition, and that's that. Um, yeah, that's that's all for us. Slowly go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got a, a fun uh, a fun name, Jean de Clerc. Jean de Clerc uh, Logger Objectives, which was published in 1957. Um, so these objectives are as follows: so to allow yeast and turbid matter to settle out, which is why loggers. One reason why loggers are always pretty pretty clear. Uh, another is the filtration that they should ought to go through in order to make them even more clear. Um, another objective is to uh, carbonate the beer with uh, artificial carbonation or a secondary fermentation. So croisoning is one of them. Um, <clears throat> if you want to, I won't get into that, but if you want to look that up um, or there's a, oh, what is the method where they, uh, the you would bung the beer that's not crazy. That's cast conditioning. No, uh, it has a name. I'll have to. I'll look Sp- it up. We'll Spunding. Spunding. Boom. Yep. Spunding is what I meant. I not- know beer things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I host this show. Spunding. <laughs> Spunding is more what I meant than crazing. Crazing. Crazing would be more of it. When like you that's, you peel active yeah. foam off and yeah. repitch. You're so not I, really crazing a ton with loggers. I wouldn't. Yeah. Think. No. I, well, you you can. I mean, that's. Well, you're gonna have a little, little, little tiny little crazing at the top. Yeah. Uh. So I'm, I, in any case, I misspoke. I meant spunding, not croisoning. Uh, uh, yep. Uh, so just uh, for those who don't know, uh, do you want to give like a one or two sentence, like what is spunding? Oh, go ahead. No, I. Oh, I you, you need me too. Okay, fine. Uh, you are capping um, the beer off with yeast that are still kind of going. And then that's like uh, kind of almost like bottle conditioning, but in the tank is basically what it is. It's a pretty simple way to put it. But look that also look that up if you want a more in-depth. Yep. Uh, if you want to do the Humber level, there's so many ways to like make like a spunding valve for your, oh, yeah. your all kinds uh, corny of, kegs and all that. So. All kinds of cool stuff. Uh, and then another lager objective is to improve the flavor, and that's, I'm assuming they mean through conditioning. Yep. Uh, another is to precipitate chill haze. 
uh, to prevent haze formation when the beer is chilled after filtration, because that will happen. Uh, and then to avoid oxygen pickup and to prevent oxidation. These are all lager objectives. Uh, so once fermentation is complete, both in ale and lager fermentation, you want to lower the beer temperature to facilitate flocculation. Remember how we talked about colder yep. colder temperatures, increased flocculation. Um, I believe flocculation was the Thor of the Avengers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so to Thor it up, uh, we got to lower this. Uh, so you have, you have two schools of thought on this. Do you do a quick drop, like a crash, mm-hmm. or do you do a slow drop? Yep. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of stuff, like a lot of benefits to doing a slow drop. Um, one, you get a little bit longer of leg time on your yeast to pick up anything, uh, like any of like the diacetyl or whatever. When we were talking about that, um, a rapid drop can cause yeast to excrete more ester compounds. Yeah, but sometimes you want more ester. But compounds, sometimes you want so more d- ester. Yeah, like this. Depending on what you want, this whole these section, aren't, they aren't necessarily bad or good. Yeah, this the decl- the disclaimer to this little section is like it depends on what you want out of the beer. So. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then a rapid drop can cause issues for repitching. Um, so if that's something you're worried about, maybe do a slow drop. But again, a crash. Like again, it's fast. Yeah, what we're what we're talking about with rapid drop, rapid drop causing issues for repitching. We're talking about autolysis, so yes. killing the yeast basically, yeah. like shocking it into. There's the a death. few ways you can cause autolysis, and this is one of them. Yep. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, the big thing you wanna you wanna really worry about is do you want those esters or not? Right. Or correct. do you need a little bit more time delay? Yeah. Um, uh, do you guys do a slow drop or a quick drop at the brewery, or does it depend? Uh, depends on the beer. On the beer, okay. But generally, just we just we just set it. At, you just set it and crash it. Crash it, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to be talking about bottle conditioning. Bottle conditioning is like he's like the Hawkeye of the Avengers because he's there, but not everybody really wants him to be there. <laughs> Man. <laughs> what? Oh man. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, but like anyway. he's he's a way to get it done, yeah. but he's also using a goddamn arrow. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not the best way to do a thing. Arrows are not a superpower. No. I don't no. care how good you are. I mean, he does get like a samurai sword at some point. Mm, that's true. Um, but it's still bottle conditioning. He's a melee weapon. Uh, <laughs> this ranged weapon isn't cutting. It. All right, so uh, there's two ways to carbonate your beer naturally or forced carbonation. Um, and bottle conditioning is basically that natural carbonation. Forced carbonation, uh, just as a quick, if you don't know, uh, basically, if you have a keg system, you can force CO2 into the beer. At the commercial level, they do that. Um, well, it's mostly forced carbonation. Yep, that's another one where there's several ways to do yep. it. You know, if you. Go slow or go quickly. You might you might scrub some volatiles if you're going too quick. So. Yep. All right. Uh, but bottle conditioning can uh, basically uh, the process is you put the beer um, into a bottle with a little extra sugar. Uh, you cap it, and it builds up carbonation naturally, like as the e- yeast eats the sugar. That's bottle conditioning in a nutshell. Uh, bottle conditioning can also there's a benefit to it. It can help a little bit with oxidation. Yeast left in the bottle can help scavenge some oxygen that got into the bottle and pull that out. So if you're having, like, so it can help with some of that uh, O2 stuck in solution. 
It's not going to eliminate everything. It is not a cure for having too much oxygen in your beer. Mm-hmm. But it, it could help a little bit. Um, and then bottle conditioning can vary. If you listen to our 80 style challenge, you can see that firsthand. Oh, my God. You know, I know you hate. I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I, I hate bottling. I, I don't want to throw it out there and say that everybody hates bottling. But, yeah. Kind of everybody it's hates bottling. Tedious, man. Um, if you got a couple kids that are smart enough, like if you got kids at home, get them into the. If you got kids that are smarter <laughs> than a dog, you make them yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah, you get them in on that. All right, um, bottle conditioning can vary because you're relying on yeast in, in an anaerobic environment with very little sugar left, so it's not the most ideal environment for the yeast to do its thing. Um, and then you want to make sure you're using the smallest amount of yeast that you need to achieve carbonation. Uh, too much yeast can lead to autolysis flavors yeah and that's like basically just dead yeast in the bottle breaking down they make so, these little like little capsules that you can throw into each beer that have a, supposedly the right dose yeah like the the firm caps or whatever not not firm, not firm cap, cap. Uh, it's, uh just little capsules yeah it's like yeah, yeah little car yeah um but basically when when you when you look at your beer in the bottle it should have a light dusting of yeast on the bottom, not a big old cake. Yeah, not a chunk. No, no chunkies. Yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be chunky in the bottom. If it's chunky there, you have too much yeast, mm-hmm. and that's not good. Um, because like that yeast is gonna break down. You're gonna get so what what off flavors do you get from metallicis? That's a really good question. I don't have run into that in a in Ohio. Yeah, long. I don't drink as much homebrew as I used to. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. That's why I threw it mm-hmm. at you. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Atalus' flavors. I don't have to look that one up, honestly. Yeah, right. That's all right. Okay. Um, all right. Um, if you're worried about your yeast, uh, so like if you had like a poor fermentation or you think the yeast might be healthy, you can add fresh in. But again, do do it sparingly. A good rule of thumb is if you're adding yeast back in, you want 1 million cells per milliliter of beer. So about 10 to 20 times less than what we want for fermentation. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about we'll talk about those rates a little bit more um, in our next episode when we're actually getting into pitching rates because mm-hmm. pitching rates is a very important thing and we're gonna yeah we'll talk about that um, at the homebrew level you should already have enough yeast in suspension um, and all you should need to do is add a little bit of sugar uh, there's some really good calculators out yeah out there um, the Northern Brewer one is pretty solid um, I believe Brewer uh, was it like Brewer's Best or Brewer's Tools has one yeah. Uh, there's there's a ton out there. If you just Google carbonation calculator, you'll you'll figure it. You'll find one, and they're they're all pretty much the same. Um, the math isn't super complex, uh, and some of them will have it breaking down. One thing you want to know is you want to make sure that you're adding a simple sugar in. Do not add like not any sugar will do. You want the simplest sh- like simple sugars like sucrose, gru- glucose. Like yeah, it's specifically called priming sugar. Yeah, priming it? sugar. Uh, I mean, table sugar will work too. Table well, sugar well, is like yeah. I mean, it's a very simple sugar. Um, the finer you can get it, the better, just because it'll dissolve easier in the beer. Um, I wouldn't use caster sugar though, because mm-hmm. that'll clump. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, and then the one thing we've got down here is that beware that <laughs> beware. Yeast doesn't always behave, and you could have some under or over carbonated beers. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, it's a like living you, organism. You, you will. And it hates you. So, <laughs> <laughs> like Hawkeye. Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, like with with that under and over carbonated, it's, uh, the next section kind of reminds us that bottle storage, like where you're storing the bottles, matters. 
too too warm, the yeast could die before creating CO2 or could get too active and blow up. And blow up uh, yeah. Too cold, and the yeast could go dormant and not r- do the little bit of re-fermentation that we need. Uh, and then storing bottles between 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit and 18 to 21 Celsius is the way to be. All right. Um, and then this this final section, cask conditioning, um, near and dear to my heart. I have made more casks than you want to know about in my time. I believe it. Um, I, I think cask conditioning is the Ant-Man of the Avengers. Uh, it's an older technology, but it's coming into vogue, and everybody kind of likes it. It's like... <laughs> You know, it's it's witty. It's they, fun. They got a cool van. They got a cool van. <laughs> really, you know, like a friend that like tells stories that are just a little too like in depth and long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want you want to take us like you've made a lot of casts. Why don't you take us through cast conditioning? Yeah. So at the brewery level, cast conditioning is pretty darn simple. Uh, the the bung. <laughs> the bung. It's the bunghole is what it is. The yeah, bung- more more Ant Man jokes. I like the, the bunghole is. <laughs> Is large. It's probably what, like a th- probably a three inch yeah, diameter, a, yeah. roughly. About I'm making two, yeah, yeah, like symbol two and a half, with my hands, maybe. two and a half, three. Uh, you can stuff a lot of weird stuff in into the cask. Um, what's what's the weirdest thing you've put into a cask? Kool-Aid. Not nothing as good or bad. Kool Aid, just straight Kool Aid packets. Yeah, we had a sales guy that was like talking about some strawberry beer and on cask that he had, and ours sucked, and we were like. We didn't agree with them. We thought ours was really good. And then we were like, you know, F it. Let's just throw strawberry Kool-Aid in there and see what he says. And we threw the strawberry Kool-Aid in there. And he was like, this is so good. And oh, my God. Like, how did you guys get this flavor? And we were like, Kool-Aid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I don't know. All, all kinds. You got to be careful with fruit. Um, you're pounding a... a plastic bung in there or that, wood well you you can do wood but plastic are cheaper and then it's easier to spile yeah if you just use that plastic one because you've got to put this like if you think about wood think about a bunch of straws all bunched together so when you put a hard spile in it will let less gas off than a soft spile mm-hmm. so you will put in a hard spile like the night before you um are going to tap it. And then when you do tap it, you, you can put the soft spile yeah, in, put soft spile in and then, and then, and then you, then you, yeah, there's some great videos of people, people blowing quite, up yeah. casks. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Tapping um, a cask is, you gotta, a, you gotta hit it like you mean it. And yeah. Get it, get and you the, can't miss the faucet in there. Quickly. Or you make a mess. Yeah. But uh, mostly would the, one of my favorite things was just to dry hop the crap out of it with, uh, a, like some hop that would complement what was already in the beer and it's another way to play with uh, hops you've uh, like experimental hops or hops you've never used to, to kind of get like a good like a good idea of what they'll do. So, in order to make a cask beer, uh, you are going to oh yeah oh okay I forgot this part the the brewer sets the beer up for the carbonation which is a lower much lower than. Than what beer is yeah. at like two point yeah. two point seven volumes. Yeah, it's like it's, I, this is like one to one point two, yep. like something super low. Yep. So generally, cask beer just above still. Cask beer. Is, I was on a date with a girl one time. I took her to town hall, and I had this cask beer, and she tasted it, and she was like, "It's warm and flat, and it tastes like cheese." 
And I was yeah, like, welcome to England. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I know it tastes awesome. Uh, so in any way, uh, to make a good cask beer, you're gonna push your uh, push your beer into a cleaned out and sanitized cask. Um, That's too Play-Doh. Oh, okay, thank you. Yep. Uh, at a, at two Play-Doh before, like before its terminal gravity. Gravity, but if it's not. At its final gravity, you you'll be fine, and you just need to make sure you measure the priming sugar correctly, yeah. uh, and add a little more. Um, well, I mean, unless you're talking to camera, and then you can't. No, then you can't. So, and that's fine. Uh, the residual sugars in the beer should help it to carbonate to one, uh, uh, roughly one to one point two, and then you're. I think it's what I said in here. Maybe it could be wrong. Oh, it makes sense. Well, I, I was thinking like more like one point five. Just cut two point seven in half. Yep. You know, one. Yeah. Yeah. Point three. Whatever. Uh, in any case, uh, the residual sugars will help carbonate it. Uh, to make clear cask ale, you're gonna want to add Isinglass, and then uh, when you're moving it around, you want to get it in its cradle like the night before. Yeah, yeah. It needs at least 12 hours to settle. Yep, absolutely. Um, And yeah, so like when you add the items and glasses at the same time, you're going to add all the weird stuff like your Kool-Aid or... Man, cask, cask beer is so far, few and far between these days. I feel like... It's it, gotten a lot... Well, I th- felt like it was going through a resurgence and mm-hmm. then it kind of backed off again. Yeah, that's like the like 22-ounce bottles. Like you rarely see them anymore. Um. Uh, let's see. Not oh. enough beer engines around. I'm telling you what. You guys yeah, should get one. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, we thought about it. It just sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> well, you know, but it's not work for me. So you guys should do it. All right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so at this point in time, you still got the the cask is open, uh, and you're adding Isinglass. You're adding priming sugar, and if you're dry hopping, um, add the hops now. Uh, or whatever else you're going to add, fruit, um, spices, chocolate, is cinnamon, a big one. Um, you name it. I've seen a lot of things in if you can, If you can think about it from a... If, co- if it'll fit in a three-inch round hole, yeah, shove it in there. Try and shove it in. No, I'm not even joking. Just see, see what you can get. Um, but uh, I would highly recommend if you're dry hopping that you get a, a, like a mesh a mesh bag. Uh, and that way it'll... it'll so it doesn't clog so it doesn't your... Clog. I'd put it, literally put everything in it that's you think might get caught on the screen, put it in a mesh bag. Um, and then you're going to seal the cask and then you take a rubber mallet and just, you know, bang in the bang two in the, yep. thingies, uh, the bung and the, I don't know, the front. And the spile. The, well, don't put the spile. Not, not spile yet, but. Then uh, you're going to store the cask between. I, what I used to do was kind of roll it through the brewery. To yeah, because you want, you want to mix all that gonna, stuff yep, up. Wherever it was going to go to sit. And then you can store it between 50 to 57 degrees. Fahrenheit or 10 to 14 degrees Celsius until it's carbonated and then you serve it at that same temperature Um, cast cellar temp which is similar to lager temp 50 to 57 or 10 to 14 yep yeah I mean cask cask beer it's I don't want to say it's an acquired taste but it's different like if if you haven't had it like if you're new to beer and you've never had cask go like seek it out it's Mm. fun Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. It's it's else. different, so I like it. If I can, you know what I mean. Like anytime there's anything different, I'm like, oh shit. And I if you can find like an English bitter in a cask, somebody Ooh. told me about a cherry cinnamon beer, and I was like, what? But it's in a cask. Well, okay. yeah. I mean, so I immediately told the brewers, I was like, we've got 
cherry extract and I'm going to order some cinnamon extract and then I'm going to take a six barrel and. Yeah, well, and the cask is great for experimentation with flavors like that. Yeah, awesome. Um, because people are a lot more forgiving of some odd flavors in the cask and more willing to try them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing you need to remember is they do not last. No, they don't. Uh, unless you have a rebreather on it where you're putting a blanket of CO2 over it as yep. you're pulling things out. Uh, but those are not cheap either. I've looked nope. into those. Yep. Um, but yeah, so once you tap that cask, you have, what, three, four days? Because you're constantly adding oxygen into it. Yeah. It, it's a lot like when you get those like party keg tappers where you pump yep. the air. You get a, those, that won't last very long. It'll start tasting oxidated. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got some listener mail. Oh, boy. And oh boy. I, while you were talking, I just read this. And so we've got Laura. Do we know where Laura is from? Uh, yeah. She's from Portland. Uh, Portland, Oregon. Oregon. So Laura sent in a message saying that she's starting her own 80 style challenge at the beginning of 2020. So she had a few specific questions, uh, but the one we want to hit on here was, uh, do we have any advice for her? <laughs> Boy, does Casey yeah. ever. Do I? So, uh, yeah. So she sent in like this, the super long message saying, hey, I'm going to try this. Um, I got to read this one. I'll, I'll, I'll forward you the email. Oh, it was an email? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll pull it up so you can read it while, uh, while we're talking here. Okay. Um, to see if that gives you any context. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we do check our email, guys, so feel free to send emails <laughs> in there. Yes, we do. Here you go. All right, yeah. So she sent this in. She was like, hey, I really want to try. Uh, uh, you guys have, you have inspired me to do the 80 style challenge um, at the beginning of 2020. Um, and then she asked, she asked for some clarifying questions, but this one, like, do we have any advice? I feel like we should really hit on. The first thing I said is I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then good luck. But no, so the biggest thing um, is you want to take notes. That's, that's thing one, like do bet yeah, do a we, better job. We hit on this either last episode or cause we do two in a row. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. I believe it was last episode. Yeah. Um, take notes, do a better job than I did of taking notes. Cause that's really going to help you out. Um, the second is don't get too discouraged by a failure. It's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have to rebrew. How many did you rebrew? Uh, well, I haven't rebrewed them all yet, but four, well, the, how many were, were, did we thumbs down? 16. Yeah. So um, Which is pretty good out of 80, but... Yeah, uh, but it's not great. Uh, but it's still a thing. Uh, anyway, so do that. Um, honestly, find somebody to brew with. That helps a lot. Like, even if they don't know anything about beer, find somebody to, like, just come over and, like, hang out with on brew day. Um, and try not to get behind where you have to brew multiple beers in a day. Because that sucks. Two is fine. Four is stupid. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, any, uh, any general brewing tips, Brian? Well, I'm just kind of looking at her email and looks like you pretty much touched on everything. And like, she says, I love your podcast and so does your mom. So maybe we need to bring, <laughs> maybe we should bring that back. We weren't doing that. Cause I was like, well, that was a thing that you and Rick did. And we were kind of like, maybe not going to do it, but, um, it looks like you responded a bunch to her and yep. I, I just, again, yeah, good luck. Like, wow. I, I've certainly brewed well over 80 batches of beer in my my lifetime, whether it be home brewer, um, pro, professional, whatever. But um, 
Yeah, keep it up. And if you like, like Casey said, if you make mistakes, if something doesn't work out, meh, don't worry about yeah. it. Rebrew it later, uh, and be ready for that. Uh, that fifty or like around fifty, uh, you're gonna you're gonna hit some burnout. It comes back, like the excitement comes back, but like there's gonna be four or five brews there around fifty where it's gonna suck. Yeah, I I am. If if you get if you get through this, Laura, I am I'm like. Doing the we're not worthy thing. Yeah. So, yeah, just the, the fact that you want to take it on is really, uh, really she did, cool. She did say uh, she was going to try to blog it. So yeah. I'm hoping as soon as uh, we can get that blog link from her, uh-huh. uh, we'll share it with you guys if you guys want to follow uh, along with absolutely. that. Absolutely. I'm all about that. Yeah. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I hope she does, I hope she does really well. And if you need to get rid of any beer, I guess we'll try some. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh no. no. But good luck, Laura. <laughs> Honestly, good luck. Dude, and thanks for listening. And um, yeah. as usual, uh, huge thanks to all of our listeners. And then, you know, once again, if I if we misspeak or get something wrong or, you know, let us know. Or if you want to send us mail and ask us questions, that's certainly okay, too. So Yes. All of that is true. All right. Uh, well, should we get out of here, bud? Yes. Oh, geez. We got to start another show another in 20 show. minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to finish those notes yet. We're running up against it here. I forgot. <laughs> to do the notes? For the next show? Yeah. No, I didn't forget to do the notes for the next show. Just... I decided not to. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, the studio set up when I got here. Yeah. So that was good. I know. <laughs> well, and like, I had to do it. that. Uh, nobody cares about this. We're going to... Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, where the hell did my internet go? Uh, Go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindersstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindersquare ninja. We'll see you guys next week. Peace off.